Like they don't, they don't even consider losing. They don't right. think it's a possibility, even though they, they do get beat, but they don't even really, it's, it's almost like they're missing something in the brain that says, hey, you could lose. <laughs> These people don't think that way. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast with your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. You'll hear authentic, entertaining stories with tips, lessons, and wisdom from champions to inspire, motivate, and educate you. You'll get the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to Champions Mojo Podcast, where I am co-hosting with Maria Parker, we have an amazing show for you today. We will be talking with Ray Luz, Indiana University head, men's and women's swim coach. You'll hear a different take on unfinished business. Maria, hello and welcome back from your recent travels. Can you hit the high points on your trips? Oh, I had an amazing time. I spent two weeks in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, to help my uh, daughter bring her second and our sixth grandchild into the world. And then I took a week-long bike ride on the entire length of the Blue Ridge Parkway to raise money for 3,000 miles to a cure uh, my brain cancer research charity. It was a blast. We had beautiful weather, and it was incredible. It reminded me what a beautiful world we live in. But I'm really looking forward to um, to talking about this next next interview. It's excellent. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, this interview uh, took place at the Pro Swim Series in Bloomington, Indiana, home of Ray Luz. And before we uh, get going, I want to tell our listeners just a little bit about Coach Luz. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, he is the head men's and women's coach at Indiana University. He has been there since 2002, where he is bringing that program back into national prominence, uh, where I don't know. Most people may or may not know this, but Mark Spitz actually swam at Indiana and huh. under the great Doc Councilman, and Indiana has won several national titles. So Ray is really bringing it back. Um, in the last two seasons, he, I mean, he's had tons and tons of success there in, in his years since um, – you know, the last 17 years, but his men finished third at the NCAAs. His women have been top 10. And of course, we know the great Lily King swam there where she had a perfect eight for eight in her 102 and her breaststroke all four years. Uh, last Olympics, Ray put seven swimmers in the Olympics and uh, he's on the national coaching That's staff. Amazing. So obviously, Maria, he's a great coach. What can you tell me about what Coach Luz did as a swimmer? Well, as a student athlete, Coach Luz attended University of Southern California, where he was a multiple-time All-American athletically and academically. His swimming accomplishments include being a runner-up at the NC2As in the 400 IM, finishing third at Olympic trials, being highly ranked in the world in the 200 breaststroke and the 200 and 400 IM, and he earned a spot as a member of our national U.S. Goodwill Games team. And yet, with that outstanding swim career, we're going to hear him say he felt he had unfinished business. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing about that. Yes, thanks, Maria. We can see Ray has had quite an amazing career as an athlete and a coach. And his interview is coming up now. And then afterwards, as usual, we'll come back and talk about our takeaways. 
And now it's time for the road trip segment. Welcome to the show, Coach Luz. It's great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks Thank so much for inviting me. So great. So um, we're at your beautiful facility here in Bloomington, and it's my first time here, and I'm so impressed with this facility. So I appreciate you. We're sitting in your office here with tons of trophies and awards and everything. So um, I want to get back to your swimming career and start with what we try to focus on with our podcast, which is taking those techniques that you used as an athlete and how you've transferred those into this amazingly successful coaching career. Well, I just read an article that uh, one of our new coaches sent me. Uh, John T. Skinner is going to be our new sprint coach. And he sent me an article about like what, what makes the elite coaches, do they have anything in common? And one of the, the very strong traits, because they come in all shapes and sizes, genders, but one of the strong traits was your own career fell a little bit short. You know, like John T. Skinner was, yes. um, didn't get to go to the Olympics. Um, I was third at Olympic trials, you know. Um, Second at NCAA. Yeah, <laughs> bridesmaid. So, but, but those kind of people end up with, um, be it a chip on their shoulder or, or a little extra drive to, as a coach, maybe help their swimmers realize that dream. I think, and that's fair to say in my case. I love that. And what, uh, what else, like traits that you learned or techniques that you learned to get you through that hard training of swimming that you've transferred into coaching? Well, I think work ethic is certainly one of those. When I was in high school, I was on a team called Ladera Oaks, which was a pretty famous team up in Northern California. John Neighbor uh, came from that, that same club team. And I thought I was like a really hard worker. And then I got down to USC and they had guys like Dave, David Wharton and Dan Jorgensen. And we, we had a really, really good team. Michael Bryan, we had gold medalists, American record holders, world record holders, and I, I realized how uh, how much I had to learn and and how professional they were, how they would do things beyond like just the, the workout. They would do extra things. So um, I I've always told these my athletes that you know whatever we provide you, you know if you want to be at the top of the sport, you're going to need to do something extra. And did you have any mentors like Wharton when you were a swimmer that you had when you came into coaching? I would say Eddie Reese was probably my strongest mentor because I was at USC and then um, I got a melanoma on my back my senior year because I'm pretty fair complected and uh, the dermatologist said I needed to go swim inside. So I looked at the best places I could possibly go and Texas was at the top of the list and, and I really didn't have any aspirations to coach. I was going to go to law school and, you know, do, get into business. But uh, the longer I, I was around Eddie, just the way he approached coaching, it, it was, it, it's really, a, you know, it's allowed him to do it until age 78. He'll be 78 in July. And, um, I, you know, it was really attractive. And I, 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 as my career was coming to a close... I really felt a, a, just a dread to walk away like entirely. And, and I was a grad assistant for Eddie to help pay for my master's. And I just, I, I liked it. 
So I told my parents I was going to give coaching a try. And um, they said, well, what about all these other clans? And they were a little they were a little disappointed. And I said, I'll just, I'll just do it on a year-to-year basis. And the first job I took was Harvard, so they were happier about that. At least I was at a fine academic institution. So, so, you know, but I wish I could say I applied a lot of the drills I learned and whatnot, but I didn't do one drill ever. So, so technically I, I try to be, I try to be really, really hands-on from a technical basis and innovative basis, but they just didn't do that back then. I did no power training, none of that. And, you know, so we had no muscles. Like we did a little bit of weight training, but it was unsupervised. Right. So. Right. So, um, what is the hardest thing that you've ever been through personally that you might have gotten help from what you learned as a swimmer to help get you through that? Well, coaching is the hardest thing I've ever done, and and it isn't even close. Like when I was a swimmer, that was that was difficult trying to be a really, really good student and a world-class swimmer, and I thought that that was pretty hard. But then doing this whole coaching thing and doing it at a place like Indiana, I don't know if there's anything that could have prepared me, but at least I, I, I have a persistence from swimming, you know, and, and a will um, and, a, and, a, and a desire to, you know, achieve. So I'd say my, my, my own career, um, you know, having it not kind of be totally fulfilled, I was able to take that and apply it to coaching. Yeah, I love that part. So you have one of the most successful combined programs. A lot of the very top, you know, two or three have separate men's and women's coaches. And um, how do you approach coaching men versus women? It's very different. So I try to put together a staff that can cover a lot of different personalities and and the two genders. Um, We... You know, we try to to let the the men and the women have their own separate identities. So we have some, we have separate team meetings. They travel separately for the most part. Like women, men have their own buses and their their own traditions and cultures. And we 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 try to approach it like you 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 need to. So so on the women's side, for example, we you know we want them to be really good communicators so stuff uh, you know I found that so stuff doesn't simmer I found that there's there's a lot of young ladies that don't really want to have a difficult conversation they'll just let it stew whereas men they, they they're more direct and they just they said hey you're leaving early you know on sets and I don't like that or stop doing that and and then it's over Whereas a little small thing can grow into, you know, things that harm a team. So just teaching people how to communicate and function as a group. And it's okay not to really, you don't have to like everybody, but you do have to be a good team. So what made this year special? I think the women got sick of watching the men celebrate. (laughs) To be be really direct and... um, and so I knew they wanted to win, so we talked about it a lot. But but I, I really don't, you know, I get sick of the Big Ten-centric focus because when I got here, that was it. So we talk about NCAAs all the time, but they wanted to win the Big Ten title, and I was like, okay, well, it's possible, but here's what has to happen. But honestly, deep down, I was like, there's no way this team is beating Michigan. 
unless Michigan really slips up or we do we do something beyond what I'm you know thinking is possible but I think you have to give people hope and you got to talk about doing things we talk about winning the national title all the time around here and I know that we're not quite there but for the women too both yeah, yeah. both that's beautiful yeah. yeah but you got to talk about it or it'll never happen and mm-hmm. just see how close you can get well yeah that's great stuff so obviously we all were just so excited to watch Lily win her eighth NCAA title. To do that four years in a row is just, it's unprecedented. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, that was really important to me to help her do that. And um, not a lot of people know this, but I had a, a, one of my, my L4 disc completely ruptured right after men's Big Tens. And I couldn't coach at all between men's Big Tens and women's NCAAs. But I went to the, I, I got cleared and was able to go to women's NCAAs. And, you know, I don't, I, I just wanted to be there because, you know, that was going to be hard. I just had a feeling like that 200 breast. If I wasn't there and she lost that race, I would have never forgiven myself. And, and it's just over four years in two races, it's brutal. Everybody's coming for you. Yeah. New person stepping up every time, and and I just knew that there'd be somebody, you know, that would that would step up. Yeah, that was really very special, yeah. very very special. Just as a fan, and you know, I don't I don't know Lily, but just watching it, I I tears come to my eyes when she did it because I know it's very very hard. Um, speaking of champions, what uh, commonality do you find that you see? Maybe three or so traits that you've noticed over all these years of coaching champions that champions have? The most important one is personal self-confidence. needs to be very, very high, almost off the charts. So Lily has that. Almost bordering on arrogance and cockiness. you got to be right on that line, if not in it. Blake is that way. Um, Cody is that way. Um, and then, th- so that that's the most important one. And I look for it. But it, but most people don't possess it. Like they don't they don't even consider losing. They don't right. think it's a possibility, even though they they do get beat. But they don't even really. It's it's almost like they're missing something in the brain that says, "Hey, you could lose." <laughs> These people don't think that way. Uh, and then the other one is the ability to. It, it's it's like a fight or flight type thing. So when the pressure gets dialed up. How do they respond? Most of us get scared, nervous, and we don't. We get distracted because of all that, and people, you know, don't do as well. That's why one person wins. Um, Lily, Blake, people like that—they come out swinging. The more you dial up the pressure, the better they are. Oh yeah, they—they they just they—they they get even better. And and like Lily is, she works a ready room. She walks around, stares at people, circles them, and when you saw the finger wag, what'd you think of that? <laughs> didn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's just her being her. She does not care what other people think yeah. about her. You yeah. know, people, you know, will comment. Well, you know, she's she's arrogant or this and that. Why can't a woman do that? Right. Why not? 
Men have been doing it for hundreds of years as far as performing. Like Muhammad Ali right. and people that, you know, they're, she's an entertainer and she loves it. I'd say those are the two most important traits. And, and that maybe the last one is um, they, they don't wait around to feel good. In the water? Yeah. Yeah. Just they don't worry about that. They can overcome that. So like Blake failed to make the Olympic team in 2016 in, the, in his best event, the 200 free. And, you know, and trying to get, as a coach, trying to get somebody's body to feel good when on the exact day that maybe they need it the most is almost impossible. It's like needle in a haystack type stuff because they're human bodies. They're running around eating. You know, there's so little control you really have other than how you prepare them. But like somebody being able to be at their worst and still do what they need to do. Terry McKeever, the cow coach, said to Dana Vollmer, and I use this all the time because it's a great way to think about things as a coach. My goal for you is you will be at your best when you're when you feel the worst. That's my goal at trials or the games or whatever. Oh, that's, so. that's beautiful. That's awesome stuff. So do you think you can teach any of the, in the first two of, do you think you can teach self-confidence? No. Nothing. I don't you think just, so. It's just a natural. It can be built up. You can move the needle, but the kind that allows you to set a world record or win a gold medal, mm, I, yeah. I have not, it, it is not a readily found trait. Yeah. Like I, that I is a, that, that is super rare. I mean, and I've been doing this since 1992 and I have not come across it much. How about the ability to handle the pressure? Same you thing. Teach that? Just, Same thing. It's just like part of the. You don't know until you put somebody in that, but most people crack. If you notice, our dual meet schedule is is really brutal. Yeah. So I, I like to go that. against tough competition and you know rip the bandaid every you know every as much as I can every season and and just put a, put their feet to the fire and, and they do learn from that. So that right. they can handle it better. Yeah. But it's very hard to move that needle. Yeah. I hear you. That is beautiful stuff. So um, we have a lot of listeners that are swimmers. Then we have a lot of listeners that are non-swimmers that are just, or maybe they swam in high school a little bit. They're not mm-hmm. totally into all the, what's happening in the swimming world right now. But if you were talking with a non-swimmer, you're giving advice to a non-swimmer, to reach a goal, you know, they want to lose 20 pounds or run their first marathon or get the big job or the girl or whatever. What, what would you advice would you give? Well, you know, if they want to get the girl, I buy buy a puppy. (laughs) That's great advice. Yeah. So, um, and then I try to lose 20 pounds, (laughs) but buy the puppy first and take that to Starbucks, you know, walk it. And, but Really, I think um, to somebody that's just come to the sport, maybe in adulthood, um, I would find a great master's team because it's a lot of fun, and they've got some great coaches, and and it's 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 a social. It's swimming is really social. The people are so awesome. I'd say the best part about swimming are the people, and you know that involves the your teammates and the coaches, and you know it's it's so much fun to be a part of a team, even when you're, I mean, I'm on a team, 
And I love being on a team. Who doesn't? You're on a master's team? No. Oh, you're on this team. Oh, of course you're on this (laughs) team. I'm just the coach, but I'm on a team and and I'm with them. And so, you know, doing swimming, it's not an, I don't think it's as much an individual thing. And then just being consistent. Uh, cause if you get in, uh, uh, swimming is, is a sport of routine and repetition. Yes. And if you can get, get consistent with it, then your technique is going to improve. And I think you'll get more out of it. It's like golf. Um, golf's not very enjoyable if you do it intermittently because you can't, you can't, you know, control the ball without the, the practice. So sometimes I'll have the swimmers go swing a golf club try to hit a ball and then come over here and swim just because it's, it's kind of the same thing. We just have more exercise. And then they feel really good in the pool. Is that the idea that they, it's a sport. They need to understand it's a sport of repetition. So like swimming has a lot of like baseball players. I've had a lot of baseball players, pitchers that are pretty good swimmers, you know, like they'll hurt their shoulder and they'll have to come to swimming to rehab and then they might be good at it. That's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> is there anything else that you would like to tell listeners that I have not covered anything about you or Indiana or the future or, uh, you know, one thing about, I'd like to say about Indiana is this is one of the be- m- most well-kept secrets around. Like we have people here in Bloomington and they're like, you know, for the first time, you, you and your husband. And it's, it's really fantastic here. I came from California and, you know, um, I was like, okay, Indiana, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is cornfields, <laughs> then the rust belt, then it's cold, you know, and, and all they do is play basketball. Like it, it's got this, this, you know, whatever people think, man, you come here and it's way different. People are awesome. Bloomington's got hills yeah. and forests and lakes and there's great food. Um, and what's been great about social media is that's getting out. And, you know, people are, are wanting to come, wanting to come here. And um, this is a cool place because I've lived everywhere in the country. And uh, I just think it's a it, it's I love coming back home to Bloomington because this is this is home now. Um and, and I think that it's, it's so wonderful to, you know, you're staring at Mark Spitz over here in my office. I had it, that poster in my bedroom when I was a little swimmer. Yeah. yeah. I, I, when I, when I first learned how to swim, I walked into the pool and this poster was there. And I found this in a shed when I took, wow. took this job, wow. like all rolled up in a corner. And I was like, there's that Mark Spitz poster. Yeah. I hadn't seen one for years. Right. So I got it framed and, and I put it right there where people can see it. But um, it's it's been an honor to help bring this program back, um, and I realize we're not even a fraction of what was accomplished before under Doc Councilman. But it's been an honor to kind of bring the Olympic success back and the international success, and hopefully this is this is just the beginning that you know we got a really bright future, and I, I really believe we do. You know, I'm so excited about you know. 2019 into 2020, you know, try to go from three U.S. Olympians to maybe six or seven. That's our goal. We want to more than double that number and then go to Tokyo and and represent our country um, to the highest degree. Beautiful. 
Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. We really appreciate yeah. it. Well, it was great to be a part of the Champions Mojo. Hopefully, your mojo brushes off on on us. Oh. <laughs> I'd say vice. I'd say vice versa. Good, car- good karma. Thank good you. Karma, exactly. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, Kelly. So, Maria, what are your thoughts on that interview? Well, I I just loved listening to Coach Lose. He was he was amazing. I, there were so many good little nuggets in there. Um, One of them that really spoke to me was his talk about, um, you know, his work ethic or or work ethic. I guess guess what really inspired me is, is he said, it's not just, you know, going and working hard in practice. He said, we offer our athletes this, you know, these workouts. But he says to them, if they want to be really great, they have to do more. (laughs) I mean, that, that, that really spoke to me. It's like, you can do everything you're supposed to do, but if you want to be great, you got to do more. So that was, that inspired me. And I loved how he said that the girls were sick of watching the men celebrate because sometimes jealousy is a great motivator. You know, you see somebody else over there winning and you think, you know what? I want to win. I, I like how he used that and how he told, he talked about it. He, he, he said, you know, even, you know, inside, maybe he thought they couldn't, win in the the Big Ten and but he he talked about it as if you know that was their goal and he talked about what they would have to do to get there so I I love that I thought that was that was great coaching and I like the use of you know something that you might think of as uncomfortable to be to to spur you on to greatness to spur you to do something amazing um can I um say yeah yeah, so it's funny. I know you so well that when we both listen to these individually and then come up with our takeaways, which we do not share with each other until we get on the air, right. I knew you were going to pick that one, so I didn't pick it because it really spoke to me and inspired me as well that um, you know that that you to be great, you've got to go above and beyond. So I I right. loved that and and yeah. and the and the women and, and the women being either jealous or inspired or role modeled or however you want to put it. He, yeah. he did say they got sick of yeah. watching the men win. Yeah, jealousy win. is a bad word, so, but they were, maybe they were, yeah. he said they got, they got sick of watching they, the yeah, men I win. Yeah, I love that too. I thought that was funny. So um, can you, I, I, I like it when, because you have so much great experience. Can you share any time that you, you know, you did something, you went above and beyond either to be great or you were watching somebody that you just got sick of sick of them watching them win and you knew you could do it? Oh, that's, that's a great question. I think I, you know, you and I've talked about this before. You don't, you, whatever gift you got from your mom, you don't experience jealousy, but I do. I've got the little green little monster on my shoulder all the time. So there have been many times when, and I grew up with a bunch of sisters. So we were constantly kind of jostling up against each other. And, and, um, I can think of many times when I would see, uh, particularly my, uh, oldest sister Kathy was really is really brilliant and she would do really neat creative things and that and she got a lot of acclaim for it especially in high school and I remember thinking you know I can do that I want to do that and 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 doing that um and and going above and beyond I I that I always do that. I try to do, okay, if everybody else is doing this, then I want to do this plus this. I want to be super 
super ready. So that's um, to have, you know, Coach Lou's talk about that, you know, it made me feel like, yeah, yeah. It just reminded me that, you know, you can get the directions. This is what you should do. These are the workouts you should do. But you should you should also think what, you know, what more can I do if I really want to win? Because everybody's doing that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I, I in my workouts, in my in my parenting career, um, even, you know, in, I, I try to think, well, what can I do that will, you know, that will take me to the next level? I remember once reading a book about a guy who, I think the book was uh, take the stairs or something like that. His point was he never took the escalator. Everybody takes the escalator. There's usually stairs right next to the escalator. He always takes the, takes the stairs. And I, I think about that. How, how can I take the stairs in this situation? Oh, that's a great one. How can I take the stairs? So I love that too. Um, and we can just go back and forth with our takeaways. So I liked the um, putting pressure, putting yourself in pressure, pressure situation. So when I ask, you know, how someone can build their confidence, move that needle, he said, rip off the Band-Aid. So I love that, <laughs> yeah. you know, just just put yourself in pressure situations. One little yeah. um, story that I can tell in regards to this, which is just I'm getting nervous about it just talking about it, but uh, you know we all we're always trying to inspire and do things that that kind of um, I don't even know where I got it, but do something that scares you. You know, I'm just trying to right break out here, and so one of my goals is I want to sing the national anthem at either a 5K road race or a swim meet, or you know they they just have somebody there that's singing and. They may or may not be, but I often will see that person sing and I'll be like, I can sing that. I want to sing that. I want to try that. And that would just be ripping off the Band-Aid. And Does that scare you? It scares the heck out of me, but I just, it's just on my bucket list. I admire that, Kelly. <laughs> that, I know Kelly, people don't know this, but Kelly also has done and may still be doing as far as you and may also... Um, do stand up, right? Stand up comedy. Stand up comedy. Yeah, but but it's just it's so, like I like to put myself in pressure situations, and I it's bucket list stuff. It's just that is on my bucket list. I think I made it, you know, years and years ago. So the last five k that I entered, I, I was dumb. I didn't even think about it. it. Was called the Band on the Run five k, and the band <laughs> played the national anthem. But as I sent my entry into the race director, I said, "Hey, I know this is a rather small race." I'd like to sing the national anthem if you have someone singing it. And then he wrote back and said, oh, we'd love to any other time, but our band plays it because it's called Band on the Run. So anyway, rip <laughs> off the Band-Aid. I loved, I loved that. Okay. Just Kel- put yourself. All right. Tell tell me this, Kelly. Is it just that you like to perform and you, and you get like some kind of a high out of standing in front of people? To me, the idea of doing stand-up comedy or singing that national anthem, and I love to sing in front of a crowd, is like, it, not only is it terrifying i i just i just i wouldn't dream of going there maybe i should make myself do that i'll tell you what it is it is programming from my parents because it will either prove to myself like i'll either be susan boyle or i will be the biggest failure and people will be like snickering (laughs) and i'll look around and it'll be horrible because you don't know when your own husband tells you you sing well you don't know if that's the truth or not but i've practiced (laughs) the national anthem many times in the shower and alone but i'll tell you what it is so i feel like and my parents have always told me that i missed out on 
an entertainment career, that that's what I should have been. And my dad, you've heard my dad, known as the famous and wise Trog, say, Kelly, you should have been a country singer. And here they would have announced it. Here's little Kelly Parker from Red Worm Holler. (laughs) And, you know, all of my family, and I can I can use that Southern accent because that is my roots, people. I am a Kentucky, Southeastern Kentucky girl. In fact, on my way to Bloomington for this interview, we stopped in Corbin, Kentucky at the original Kentucky Fried Chicken. And, um, nice. you know, it's literally, it's like a half mile from my, went by my old grand, you know, Granny Parker's house. And so I think it's a to prove, really to prove that I should, that I did not miss out on an entertaining an entertainment career and just and it's just a bucket list thing i i I don't think it has to do with standing well let me let me just ask you this you said you're either going to be susan boyle or you're going to or people are going to snicker have you had have you had the situation where you got up there to do something that you were scared to do and people did snicker um gosh i'm sure there has been times but I, maybe I didn't know you that there was. Maybe I didn't know that they were snickering because I'm just, I'm pretty oblivious. You know, I think that's one of the things that champions do truly that they just they just don't care. Like I don't care if I if I totally ruin the national anthem. I mean, I, I care as a good American, but you know, I'm gonna do I'm gonna sing it from my heart, and I don't care if it's terrible. I mean, that I think that's what it is. I can't off the cuff. I can't think of something, but I hundred percent have had people snicker at me at things. Oh, yeah, I can tell you something. Um, I substitute taught a, an aerobics dance class when I was uh, back in the fitness era in the 80s wearing, you know, those funny clothes. And so I Biker. normally would teach just straight, like, hardcore, just athletic kind of lifting classes. And one of the dance instructors say, hey, I'm sick. Can you teach this class? And so literally I'm in the front trying to teach this, and the whole class is laughing at me because – my left foot from my right foot, I could, it was just, it was a nightmare. I remember that one. Yeah. So now it's coming back to me. But anyway, back to Ray Luz, because yes. this was a really awesome interview. And I know there are many more takeaways. What else did you get? I guess the one that, that spoke with me most recently, uh, or as actually applies to my life right now, is the, the thing he said about champions not waiting to feel good Ooh, you, you got the same one that I got. Okay, yes, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I mean, I think we can both tell stories about that. I mean, how many times have I not slept, you know, three nights before a competition and thought I'm going to fail because I'm tired or whatever, or, I, I, you know, there's that niggling knee pain or, you know, in athletics. And in my personal life, exactly the same. You know, you woke up, you wake up with a sore throat on the day that, you know, you're supposed to get a ton of stuff done. And, you know, you're just, it's just things aren't, aren't going together well. And you just have to what just do what Coach Lou said. And you just got to go out there and, and perform because you're not always going to be 100% or at least feel like you're at 100% uh, every day when you need to perform. What, what's your take on yes, that, Kelly? Yes, I, that was, that was my big one, the rip off the Band-Aid. And then um, he actually gave credit to Coach... Terry McKeever, who's the head women's coach at Cal Berkeley, amazing. She's, you know, an Olympic coach, won national titles for college, you know, NCAA titles. She's just amazing. And her quote was, 
be prepared to swim fast when you're at your worst. And the story that I wanted to connect to that, so that really spoke to me. It's the same thing. I mean, whether you don't feel good in the water as a swimmer, you still have to swim your best. Or like you said, you wake up. Interesting story that you haven't even heard yet that I wanted to update you because we're, you know, you've been on the road. So while I'm in Bloomington, Indiana, I, of course, got a chance to say hi and speak with Lily King's mom, Jenny King, who has been on the show. And if you guys have not listened to her episode, it is just awesome. It's great. Yeah. And it is, um, it's one of our most popular, it's um, episode number nine. And the, I saw Jenny and, you know, we, we were chatting and I said, oh, Jenny, thank you so much again for doing the podcast. And I, you know, it's one of our most popular podcasts. It's still getting tons of downloads and hits. And she said, you know, I was sick as a dog when I did that that interview. You would not know no that. She way. was so on. I said, no way. Because number one, you were there, obviously, when we interviewed her. We had a, a major delay in the beginning and kept her on the phone like 30 minutes before we even started. So I had promised this very busy, you know, teacher who comes home. She has a an hour to record with us and then she's going off to coach. So we start 30 minutes late and then she gives these thorough, beautiful answers. And she said, no, I was sick as a dog. And that's amazing. Yeah. Is it doesn't that just shock you? Because I never would have known it, known it. She never said it. And uh, what a, what a champion. It doesn't surprise me about Lily. So that's um, that was my that was a similar takeaway. Any other ones for you? Well, there was so much good stuff in there. Um, I I was going to my my action item is actually has to do with that. And I'm really glad that you you told that story because one of the words that coach Luz and the other coaches we've talked to and all the many of the champions that we've talked to have used the word professionalism. And I love that word because it means doing the right thing when you don't necessarily feel like it. And I mean, it encompasses a lot of things. But for her, Ginny, showing up when she said she was going to show up, regardless of the fact that she was sick, and doing and putting, you know, having a terrific interview was totally professional. She wasn't getting paid, you know, so it wasn't that she was a professional paid person. She was doing what she said she was going to do. So, you know, my action item for for myself and for our listeners is, you know, is considering yourself a professional in in whatever you do, whether it's, you know, for me, I'm moving this week. So my job is to get up and and uh, pack dishes and, and pack my house. And and I don't really want to do it, <laughs> you know, it's, but I, I'm going to consider myself a professional. I'm going to put a smile on my face, just like Jenny did. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do the best job that I can. Um, and I'm going to be a professional this week and, and this and this job. And that's what I would encourage our listeners to do as well. I love that. What about you, Kelly? Do you have an action item? Yes. My action item would just be do something that's a little scary. And I think that has to do with just ripping off the Band-Aid. That's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie into that. Um, and it's just a little bit a little bit scary, you know, whatever that is, if you've been, you wanted to enter the 5k road race, but you didn't, or you, um, wanted to make that call about something that you were waiting, but whatever's a little scary. And I mean, I'm not saying go out and skydive, but, um, 
do something a little scary. And if you're a swimmer, I mean, that's for the non-swimmers. If you're a swimmer, then it's easy for me to tell you the you know, move over into the, the faster interval lane. If you've been comfortably swimming in the, you know, the 120 lane and you want to move into the 115 lane or you're in the 135 lane, move into the 130 lane, but do something that just takes you a little bit out of your comfort zone. So those would be um, my, my uh, takeaways and my action item. Anything else for you, Maria? Okay. No, I think that's 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 a, there was a lot to think about, um, and, and we'd love to get any feedback that our listeners have when they listen to the interview. So if you all come up with something, yeah, let us know. We have a comments section down there on YouTube, and we'd love to see some comments. So um, we are going to make it a wrap. It's been great spending time with you. If you're enjoying our podcast, we we would be so grateful if you would subscribe to Champions Mojo on YouTube and leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Can't wait for next week. Today's quote is from Anita Bruckner. Life is not simply a series of exciting new ventures. The future is not always a whole new ball game. There tends to be unfinished business. One trails all sorts of things around with them, things that simply won't be gotten rid of. We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today, and we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Signing off for myself and my champion co-host, Maria Parker, we hope you'll join us again soon, and we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening, and please see below for a copy of the show notes for any links or important information that we've referenced here. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also visit championsmojo.com to learn more.